start here. So I, I chose the title here. Vonnie, Vonnie says, Roger, you got to choose more. Uh, Mike chooses really um, powy, powy titles, you know. And actually, I had Bill say, Roger, your titles are so long. Mike's are like two or three words, but you got these long titles. So I, you know, I don't know. I, this is, I, I could actually could label this message, our earthly body versus our heavenly body. That could have been an optional one, but anyway, so... We'll go with this one. So I have the spirit as a pledge, which you saw in the verse. I usually try to pick the title consistent with the uh, verses and our ambition. So we'll see how that makes sense as we go along here. Okay, so here's an outline. I'll just put it all up here. Oops, went too far. Okay, so last week Mike covered verses 1 through 4. I'm going to go back and pick out some parts of that to kind of emphasize what I think you know, will flow into the next uh, 5 through 9. But then coming up uh, in the following two weeks, we're going to spend two weeks on the judgment seat of Christ, which is a critical thing in, uh, for believers to understand. We're going to contrast that with the other judgments in Scripture. So that's coming up. And then the following weeks, we're going to do the love of Christ that motivates us, a new creation, and then a me- message of reconciliation. So that's what's on the agenda in the next weeks to go. And, and of course, in, in between there, on the 17th, we'll have a, <clears throat> a Resurrection Sunday message. Okay, and actually, I'm going to use, um, you know, we, as Mike pointed out last week, there's um, some differences of opinion among, you know, godly men about um, uh, the, 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 um, our heavenly bodies and, and the exact procedure. I'm gonna, not going to spend a lot of time on that and just look at what the verses say, the verses say and, then, um, and, and what it says in comparison with our earthly bodies and our heavenly bodies. Okay, so let's get into it here. For we know that if the earthly tent, you could say earthly body, which is ours, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not even reading it right. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, this house, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. So I'm just going to do, look at part of these verses here today. So let's just look at the first, the first phrase here. So I'm going to use the Weiss translation in honor of Karen. No, not, not really. But anyway, it's really, I'm, she's, Karen is really excited about Weiss, and I'm excited. If, when you're excited about God's word, I'm excited. So anyway, so Weiss has this, for we know that if our house of this present tent life on earth be taken down. So what's he talking about here? He's talking, taken down is the idea of death of the body. And actually, you could, you could uh, render it dissolved. So Paul's talking here about our present body suffering death. He says, and this is a tremendous statement. If you had to hang, you had to come away with any message out of the first four verses, this is what you want to remember. We have a building implied as our heavenly body from God. That's something the believer has. And what's, what's interesting is, you know, the, the original tense of the verbs are, are pretty critical. And the tense of this verb is present, so you could render it, we are having, we are having a heavenly body from God. And you say to me, well, Roger, I'm, this body is not, doesn't look like a heavenly body to me. It's breaking down. We just have all these prayer requests about back and this and that. How can, that's, you know, 
But it says we have it. And to try to put your arms around that, um, actually our, our brother Hal has, uh, has labeled futuristic present tense. And what it, what it kind of means is, if you, there's a very familiar verse, I think, to most people. If you look in 1 John 5.13, which we'll get to here maybe by the end of the year or so, um, it says, 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So the last part says that you may know that you have eternal life. Or you could render it, you are having eternal life. So the, the upshot of this is that as believers, God presents to us truths that we are to believe about ourselves as believers that we haven't experienced yet. We, we know that we have eternal life, right? Are we experiencing eternal life? We started it, we, we don't, we don't see eternal life, and the same way here. He says we have a building, a heavenly body from God, and it's, it's a reality. This is a present reality. Uh, it's a present possession of a future reality. And what we, we call here at Holly Hills and other places, this is called a positional truth. It's something that's true about us that has been presented in Scripture, and we're to believe it. And our condition, doesn't, our condition at a point in time will, will match that. We will have our heavenly body, but we don't have it now. So one thing to point out here, and this is really good, um, it's not saying that there's a heavenly body floating around out there in heaven. And this is the hard part. You know what I find in Scripture many times? There'll be two different aspects presented, two truths that are side by side, and you have to accept both. There's a heavenly body, and it's the eternal heavenly body that will last for all eternity. But we're not told a lot of details about how we get from this body to the next body. We'll see that in a second, but there's not, there's some gaps in there, it seems. So what it is saying is that at, at, the, at the time that the Lord so determines, at the rapture, when we're taken to be with him, when, he, you know, when a believer uh, dies, uh, he will have a body, he will have a heavenly body. I, I think that's what it's saying. Okay, so let's go on. With that, with that one truth in mind, let's proceed here. It says, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. So this idea of groaning, we're going to see that, you know, in Scripture, groaning is okay. The Bible says that groaning is a good thing. You can groan. And so one of the things we're we're to groan about from this verse, from verse 2, is the fact that we long to be clothed with our heavenly body. And I'm sure people in in this congregation, along with me, would love to have a body that's free from the pain that we suffer. Also, the wonderful aspects of having a body like our Savior's body. So here's a a comparable verse which talks about groaning but with a little bit different focus. In Romans 8.23 it says, Not only this, but we also, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So there's another aspect of, of groaning, if you will. And, and so it's groaning and longing is the desire, this desire um, for this to happen. Okay, so let's continue on here. And it's to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. To be clothed is the idea to, and this is an interesting word. You know, I had not thought about this. You know, you kind of think in your mind, if you're, if you're not thinking too scriptural, you kind of think, well, I'm going to get I'm going to get this brand new body. It's going to be brand new. 
Well, Scripture doesn't exactly say that. It says we're to be clothed with. It's the idea to be caused, to be put over, to be clothed upon. And Macaulay uh, renders this. The original word um, is, is this word. I'm not going to pronounce it. But it's the idea is to be clothed over. And he, the picture he uses, imagine you have a nice suit coat on and you put an overcoat on. So you, that overcoat is what's described as our heavenly body. Over, and I was kind of thinking about that. It made me start thinking down this path. And Weist actually picks up on that translation of that word. He says to be clothed in addition with our health, which is from heaven. So when a believer goes to be with the Lord, he will receive, his body will consist of this uh, additional aspect. And, it, and if you think about it, Christ's heavenly body was recognizable, right? Sometimes he, the Lord, for, uh, for his purposes, uh, kind of concealed that, it was, and, but it was revealed, most, most, most of the accounts will see that the disciples recognize the Lord in his new heavenly body. So our body apparently will be recognizable. So that's what is kind of neat about this fact that we're clothed over with. We retain some of what we are, but it's a new heavenly body. Don't ask me how that happens. Scripture doesn't. And that's part of the problem with this message. There's so many things in here that the details aren't, have not been filled out for us, but it's still pretty wonderful that this new heavenly body will retain, people will recognize us for who we are. And that's for all eternity. Christ will have the marks in his human body, right, of the crucifixion. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually pretty cool. That kind of supports this, this picture. He has the marks in eternity of his crucifixion, right? So he retained that in his eternal body. Pretty cool stuff. Okay. Inasmuch as, uh, inasmuch as we are putting it on, putting on the heavenly body, it will not be found naked. So here's another situation. This is the second kind of occurrence where he talks about something as if it's happened. It's, it's his present reality that, that is yet future. So Constable has this comment. He says, I believe the one of the strongest arguments that we, we will ever, I'm sorry, one of, I believe that one of the strongest arguments that we will never be disembodied spirits is that the Bible consistently views humans as unified beings. So there's a verse that kind of talks about how we're unified beings. We're unified beings because we're body, soul, and spirit. So here's a verse that kind of supports that in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, now here's another verse that presents an interesting point. 1 John 3, 2b, it says, We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. So I was thinking about that, is that and Mike often talks about this. You know, we, we can't, unless we're like God, we cannot see God. We cannot be in his presence. You know, the, the, the scriptures tell it over and over again. People that, that saw the Lord, they couldn't, they couldn't stand his the Mount Transfiguration. They couldn't stand the brilliance of who he was. You look back at the nation of Israel. They couldn't come near the mountain where God was on. They couldn't, uh, they could not see God. We have to be like God. We have to have his very nature to see God. Okay. All right, so now, uh, a couple of things from last week. I'm gonna borrow a couple of things that Mike presented and uh, do them again. I thought it was really uh, worthwhile. So a lot of this message is about thinking about what scripture says about our earthly body 
and contrasting it with our heavenly body. So here's an example of a chart that Hal put together back a few years ago. <clears throat> he says, our earthly house, our tent, God, form, God formed or uh, sculptured it out of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2.7. <clears throat> it is suited out for this earth and associated soulish life. <clears throat> it is a natural body, a sukikos body, soulish, sensual, energized by the natural instincts. And just a side point, you know, that natural body was born with a sin nature, a fallen nature from Adam. So, so that's why, that's, that's the problem with that body. <clears throat> that's why we need a new heavenly body. Our heavenly house is a building, from, uh, a building of God made without hands, eternal in the heavenlies. It's suited out for heaven and associated spiritual life. It is raised, a spiritual pneumaticos uh, body, uh, energized by the Holy Spirit. Christ will change our lowly body to have, uh, to have like form with his glorious body. So there's kind of the contrast between our earthly tent with its sin nature and our wonderful heavenly body. So all this, Paul is, is encouraging the people in Corinth about this uh, contrast between our earthly body and heavenly body and also the fact that they're, they're going to have a heavenly body and it's, it's a, a surety. It's not something that may happen, it will happen. So just another set of contrasts here. Um, so here's some verses. This is just taking scripture and putting it kind of in bullet form. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15, 42 to 45. Kind of contrasts of physical and spiritual. You know, just wonderful words here. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. You think about the fallen nature. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first Adam, I mean the first man, Adam, became a, light, a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So that's kind of the first set of, from, uh, from 1 Corinthians 15. Here's the next set, kind of contrasting the earthly and the heavenly lives. The first man, Adam, you can put the, you can add in there, the first man, Adam, is from earth, earthy. The second man, Christ, is from heaven. As the earthy, so also there, I'm so, as is the earthy, so also those are, are earthy. As is the heavenly, so also are those heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenlies. So con consistently, over and over again, we see God contrast our, our earthly bodies with our heavenly bodies. Okay, now, that's kind of a quick review of last week. Avoiding, you know, Mike went through and took the time. It was really good. He took the time to point out how people have tried to put in there things like a, a temporary body that we have. Trying to, and I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm not sure I have enough you know, knowledge to, to comment on that. It's, just, it, it's confusing. I'd say it makes it very confusing. I think sticking to the scriptures and just looking at our, our earthly body and our heavenly body is a better way to go. Trying to put in an interim body in there. Like uh, I was listening to Hal Malloy from 
you know, 20 years ago almost now, and he says, I got a problem with a, with a temporary eternal body. That words don't seem to fit. Temporary eternal, I have a problem with that, that saying. And I said, yeah, temporary eternal, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a short circuit there. Something, something's gone wrong. Okay, so Paul's going to carry on here, starting in verse 5. He's going to talk more about, um, more about the, uh, our bodies, our heavenly bodies, also our ambition, and about the Holy Spirit here. Now, so the verses for today. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, preferring rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to, pleasing to him. Okay. So just as a beginning point here, I found that the... Um, and, I, and I, I do this a lot. I'll, I'll use the Weiss translation sometimes, and sometimes I'll use uh, the interlinear. <laughs> and Karen has talked with me about the, both those there. Karen's been, she's keep, keeping me on the straight and narrow here. So I'm going to use the interlinear. I, the top verse up there is the New American Standard. The interlinear brings out a little bit more of, of the original, I think, in this case. <clears throat> so the interlinear says for this verse, Now the one having made us for this very thing is God. So having made here is the idea to bring about, to make. And here again, we have one of these just statements. Just it says, it's already done. It's a done deal. And, and that's what our brother Hal says. It's, it's a done deal. Having made for us the very thing, and the very thing is this building, this heavenly body, that's already done. So in God's eyes, that's already done. In our eyes, we say, well, where is it? And God says, I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> but I've done it. He's not going to tell us, but he's done that. <clears throat> he's made it for us, and it's there. It's a done deal. God has made it fit or suitable, uh, suited out for our heavenly home. Who gave us? And so, but, but he doesn't leave us hanging. You know, so he doesn't say, well, I made for you a body. Just trust me. What he does is he, he points out that the Holy Spirit was given as a pledge in this, for, for this assurity. The pledge is the idea, you know, in, in a real estate transaction. I wish I'd had a transaction last year. I didn't, we didn't have any transaction. I look for a house and too expensive. <laughs> I, can't, I can't bid high enough. I don't have enough money. So anyway, that's another story. So a pledge is the earnest money you put down. And, and, and the, the original word is you put that money down. And if you don't complete it, you lose the money. So that's, that's it. And so the Holy Spirit is in that sense. He has given us, he's given us a down payment, a certainty of, of a truth about us. His down payment, our earnest or pledge, is the indwelling Holy Spirit. So that's one of the many wonderful things about the Holy Spirit. You know, he, if you look about, if you look in John there, when it says, uh, when the Lord is leaving, he says, I'll give to you another, another of the same kind as myself, and he will bring to your mind the things I've taught you. Well, here's another wonderful aspect about the Holy Spirit. He's going to be our guarantee that God's going to give us our heavenly body. It's not something that might happen. It will happen. And the Holy Spirit is that earnest uh, in respect to that. Now, verse 6. Therefore, based on the fact that we have this earnest of the Holy Spirit, or this pledge of the Holy Spirit, we can have confidence 
to, uh, being confident, present tense, we continue to have confidence at all times. There's never a time we're not to, not to be confident. And, and uh, the, to know, to know, uh, to have knowledge of, of divine knowledge from Scripture. So here we're going to see, when we start in the last half of, uh, of verse 6, let me just reread verse 6 again. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing, that's what I kind of covered and went through the words there. So here's what uh, he wants us to have confidence and know about. While we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So he wants us to have confidence about that. So he's going to use two different, I'll put it away, two different Greek words. I'm going to give my, my shot here at pronouncing them. And if you can pronounce them better, <laughs> welcome to do it. I'll give you my, I think I have it right. I practiced it a few times. And anyway, being at home is endimeho, and being away from home is ekdimento. Uh, and it's the idea of n is in, so we're in is being, we're among one's home, country, or people, and ekdimeho is being away from one's home, country, or people. So we're going to see that filtering through uh, 6B to 9, it's going to be in there, and, and hopefully this will help you understand it better. Some will say, well, Roger, you put that Greek word in there, and this makes it harder for me to read that, what you put up there, because I can't read that Greek word. Well, and maybe that's, you know, <laughs> so hopefully it makes it better. So we'll see here. So here's his first statement about our heavenly body <clears throat> versus our, our heavenly home versus our earthly home. He says, he makes this statement, being at home, endemeo, in the body, it's an earthly body, we are away from home, ectimendo, when away from the Lord. So he says, here's the part that makes it a little bit challenging. We're at home in our bodies. We also know from Scripture that we're home with the Lord. Scripture declares that every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is at home with his Savior. So let's look at uh, our true home for a believer is with the Lord. We see that in one of many verses, Ephesians 2.19 so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So we're, we're both at home within ourselves and we're home with the Lord. So this verse says that being at home in our bodies, we are away from our, our true home with the Lord. That's what it's trying to convey. And this is where, I never actually thought, so here's the, here's the context. You know, in Scripture, a good Bible student's it's con, remember in real estate, it's location, location, location. In, in Bible study, it's context, context, context. What's the context of we walk by faith and not by sight? Well, the context is that we, have, we are to believe that we're away from the Lord and that's where our true home is at. That's what we, we exercise, because we don't see that, we can't see that home. We read about that home but we're to exercise faith in believing that we have a home for us with the Lord. And it's not by sight, it's by faith. So that's a context of a very familiar verse, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. <clears throat> so here's Wiest. Uh, helps to put, uh, here, uh, he kind of has a little bit more expanded, if you will, that we walk by faith and not by sight. For through faith, we're ordering our manner of life not by seeing, not by something seen. So we don't look at the, you know, the world says, if I can't see it, I can't believe it, right? You talk to almost anyone. If they can't see it, they're not going to believe it. Though sometimes you can't, and there's a lot of things you, yeah, that, that, you, that runs against. But, uh, but God says he wants us to exercise faith in what he has promised us. 
Okay. So verse 8, we are, present tense, continuous action. Now, once again, this is another confidence. We are confidence. But we have a preference. We have what we are, are pleased, rather. This is what would please us. What would, what would please a, Christ, a Christian from this context about his heaven versus earthly bodies? Well, what would please a, a Christian would be, this is statement number two about earthly versus heavenly home, to leave home and to be at home with the Lord. That's basically it. You leave home, ek, to out of, ek demento, out of the earthly body, and be at home, in demento, with the Lord. And here's this wonderful preposition. I know this is one of Courtney's favorites. Pros, face to face. And it comes up in, uh, in Romans and much other places. That wonderful picture of our Savior that, that we have the, the privilege at a point in time to be face to face with him. And we can't be face to face with him unless, we, unless we've been born again. Uh, we have to be of the same kind as him. So it says to leave home out from our body and to be at home with the Lord, face to face with him. So, so this, is, this is what would please, Paul's saying this is what pleases a believer to be face to face with him. Okay, but then nine kind of puts, brings our feet back to the ground, if you will. Therefore, based on six through eight, we are aspiring, present tense, continuous action, and the idea to be ambitious, to make it our aim. And the third statement here, whether at home or being away from the Lord, to be well-pleasing to him. And the Amplify had striving earnestly to please him. So our goal in, in the Christian life, whether it's here on this earth and our, our earthly bodies, or being away from our earthly bodies, we're to please him. All right, so final thoughts. So I thought Constable did a good job here. He just kind of summarized the three statements. He kind of summarized one through, one through eight, one through nine. All Christians who die will receive an immortal body. From verse one, remember I told you that's the one thing you had to remember? Remember that statement, right? We have, there's no, no debate about it, we have an eternal home in heaven. All Christians who die will receive an immortal body. This, this is by itself a substantial gift of glory. You know what, after reading this, I said, Mr. Constable, get some, get some joy into your life. I mean, it, 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 it's like it's deadpan. We have substantial gift of glory. To me, that's not exciting enough. Anyway, that's my, my take on it. Okay, second statement. All Christians, including those who die soon after becoming believers, presently possess the Holy Spirit who is a pledge of our future completed glorification. Third, death begins a new phase of existence for all believers that will be far superior to what they have experienced up to now. I thought that was understated too. I thought, man, <laughs> death opens up. Wow, I get to see my Savior face to face. It's, you know, I just, he just didn't have, I wanted to have more punch. I like what he said, but I wouldn't have a little more punch. So I know, maybe that's me. Anyway, okay. So we, we finished the first nine verses. So I'm gonna get, I usually don't do this. This is a little preview of, of the next two weeks here. So I borrowed a Hal chart. And what's the characteristic of a Hal chart? Anybody uh, want to raise their hand? Lots of stuff on one chart, right? <laughs> Let's see how much I can get on one chart. Well, he, he hasn't failed us here. This one chart, he has a lot. So here it is. Here's one chart. Okay. The next, the next two weeks, I'll be explaining this chart. <laughs> okay, well, and, and in, in reality, we're going to talk mainly. Verse 10, <clears throat> it talks about the, the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, 
And, and what we found is, I talked to Mike a little bit about this. We've, uh, and, and Hal preached a message several years ago about the same thing. There are nine judgments that you find in Scripture, and people will confuse these judgments. They'll, they'll, they want to take judgments that occur at the end of the millennial kingdom, or they want to take them uh, here and there, different places. They want to put those into some general one judgment, or there are nine distinct judgments. So we're going to go through parts of those and just try to clarify. The focus will be on the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. And that's a, that's a critical one. And actually, you know, it's a, Bema is the Greek word. Judgment seat is the English word for that Greek word. And it just means a raised platform. So am I to worry that I'm going to get judged? One thing to observe here, where does, according to this timeline here, where does that judgment happen? It happens during the tribulation. What happened before the tribulation? I was raptured out here with the Lord. So is he going to really scold me and give me a hard time after I'm with him, face to face with him? <laughs> I actually, it just, it just hit me, actually not this morning, but when I was studying, I said, wait a minute, Roger. Why are people worried about the judgment seat of Christ? I'm already with the Lord face to face. Is he going to really wrap my knuckles and give me a hard time and say, no. Is there a different focus there? And there is. And that's what I want to talk about. So, so come next week. Uh, all right, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful blessings we have in knowing our Savior. Thank you, for, thank you that we have a body. It's already, it's in your mind. That's probably the best way to think about it. It's in your mind and ready, to, ready for us when we, when we go to be with you, Lord. We thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.